today. 80% of businesses don't sell. To be a part of the 20% that do, and at maximum value, you'll need a successful strategy. Welcome to the Defenders of Business Value podcast, where we interview today's top professional advisors who help business owners create, preserve, and most importantly, transfer value. If you want actionable tips that will increase your business value, stay tuned. The podcast starts now with your host, Ed Mysogland. This week, I had the opportunity to visit with my friend Todd Muffley. And Todd owned a digital marketing company, and, and we were a client of his. And what prompted this conversation is that I was on LinkedIn, and I happened to see an article or a blog post that he put on uh, entitled Be Still. And the, the, the tone of this of this article that he had written was this sale did was not necessarily what he thought it was and being friendly with him. I've, like I said, I've known him for a number of years. It was just like, Oh my goodness, what, what happened? And so that's why I reached out to him. And out of all these interviews that I've done, uh, he is, he is so candid with his advice and, uh, and his thoughts and just what he would have done different. So I hope you enjoy my time with Todd, and I'm certain you're going to find lots of value in it. I'm your host, Ed Meisigland. I teach business owners how to build value and identify and remove risks in their business so that one day they can sell their business at maximum value when they want, how they want, and to whom they want. On today's show, I'm thrilled to welcome my friend Todd Muffley of Plan B Marketing. I was uh, introduced to Todd when he owned a digital marketing agency here in Indiana, and today I asked him to come visit about the lessons learned from his sale. So, Todd, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, Ed. Thanks for having me. Well, can you give the audience a snapshot of your journey into, out of, and then back into business? I can definitely do that. So, I started uh, my marketing agency in 1999, and through that journey, build up a list of clientele and, and, um, actually sold part of it off in 2005 to go more into the digital space and plan B marketing, uh, was born from that. And then through that journey from 2005 to 2017, really focused on, um, you know, paid online advertising. We did a lot of, uh, inbound marketing, social media, we did websites, uh, and created strategies for our, our businesses, mostly in the B2B space and mostly outside of Indiana. And through that, you know, we had at one time 28 employees. Uh, when I sold the business, we had 20 employees and selling the business. I wish it was as linear as the journey to, you know, to start a business and to get rid of it. But it was something where I, 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 wanted to get some employees involved in the business. And so I offered them uh, to buy into it at a small percent. It was 10% to start with. And then a year later, wanted them at 10%, they really didn't see too involved. And so then I, you know, sold another 38%, I think it was uh, 35%. And um, then the next year I sold the whole thing. Were you trying to lock them down? I mean, what, what precipitated the offering of equity? Um, well, you know, to be candid, um, I lost six retainer clients uh, in the first 
six months of, I believe it was 2014. And, you know, I, I'd been on this marketing ownership journey by myself for so long. And so many times I put all my, you know, from credit cards, to bank accounts, you know, I put everything on the line for my business, you know, it's my risk, but I just, I felt like I wanted somebody else to share that instead of doing it again. So my wife and I, you know, spoke and we actually took that first 10% that they gave us and we, we put it right back into the company to not only keep it solvent, but to grow it because I just knew we were on the precipice of something really great as far as, you know, getting a lot of new business, which we were. So that turned out well, it was a good gamble. So fast forward and then all of a sudden you're like, okay, now it's, it's time to exit the entire business. I, I mean, we were a client. I mean, and so we, we had a pretty intimate uh, relationship on, on how you guys worked. And, and when you told me that you were selling the company, I, I have to tell you, I, w- I was surprised. And, and so, I mean, what made you just decide to do that? Well, money first off. Um, but you guys were doing great. You know, know, we were for the last two years. And so, you know, my P and L really showed in 2015 and 2016, uh, it was very healthy. But if you looked at it, the previous, you know, up teen years before that, I created a job and I created lots of jobs because I had, you know, so many employees, but it, it, it really, you know, marketing agencies are difficult to run. You have high turnover clients, high turnover staff. And so while I made a good living, I didn't really have a, a really good business that gave a steady return on investment until the last two years. And, you know, when having employees, having, you know, having the people that I sold to intimately know the clients and intimately know the uh, the brand and what we sold was very helpful. I think the hard part of it is the looking back is um, they didn't really understand what I did in the business. And so they thought it would be easy to do it without me. And so, you know, selling, you know, so let's say they're sitting at 38% you know, ish of ownership of the business and business is going great. And I just, you know, I told my wife, I'm working, you know, 60 plus hours a week and I'm just done. I was, you know, I'm, I'm spent. And I had somebody approach me from another company that wanted to buy me. And I went to my, my existing partners. I said, you know, I'm entertaining talking to them. I haven't done anything yet. And they said, well, we're interested in buying the whole thing. Wow. I got it. And, and so, you know, uh, that's the blind squirrel mentality. I got lucky. No, no, that I don't think so. I mean, I, I think the way you had it structured, I mean, did two things. One, it kept your employees uh, from being poached. And the second thing is it was a, a segue into a total exit. So no, I, I don't think it was blind luck by any means. But I guess, I mean, what did that conversation sound like? Well, they were very receptive to it. They They wanted to own the business. I think that, but how, you know, one of how old them were they? was the creative, uh, they're in their mid thirties. Okay. So, and so, you know, they, they have a, a couple young children, um, and he's got an MBA and, uh, she was the creative director and, you know, she'd been with me since like 2004. Um, you know, so we were, 
Yeah. You know, not only I felt like friends, but you know, we, we have a long standing business relationship. And, uh, I really think that they, you know, they, they wanted to do things a little bit differently and put their mark on the business and do it their way. So, it, you know, it was, it was a very easy conversation actually. It was, you know, when I told them that I was looking to divest all the business, you know, to get, get out from under all of it, they, they stepped up and they said they wanted it. So then it was just, you know, crossing T's and dotting I's and, you know, spending, you know, three to four months with accountants and lawyers to get it all squared away. Yeah. Did, I mean, are you guys still friends? You know, that's the funny thing is, uh, I think as business owners, we tell ourselves lies that our employees are our friends. And I, I, I don't know why this happens. It'd probably be an interesting, you know, study on small business owners to think this way. But, you know, I thought we were friends, but you know, they, they never call and ask for advice. They never, it's like, no, I, I, I would say, no, we're not friends now, but then you have to ask yourself, were we really friends before? Right. Sure. Um, so That's interesting. yeah. I, wow. I no, no. And, and like I said, it, you know, going into it, everybody has, you know, the intent of, you know, we're going to be friends forever. And like you were saying earlier, you, I don't think, especially employees un- fully understand number one, the risk associated with small business ownership. And then number two, just what it means to be all in with your business. And you, I think you, on, you right. can only live that. I don't think you can be taught that. Yeah. And again, I think people think it's easier than it really is. Right. They, they see it from the outside. You know, I'm at the office every day at seven 30 and I don't leave sometimes till seven 30. And while I'm not actually doing the work, you know, I'm managing the, the, the accounts, I'm getting new business. I'm doing HR for the, uh, for the company. Um, I'm, you know, managing the strategies for all these clients. And I think sometimes, you know, people look at that and don't think it's quote real work. And, um, especially, you know, especially sometimes when I think that, you know, you have this pre notion that you can do it better than the other person. And so, they, uh, they stepped up and they said they wanted to take it and thank God they did. Yeah. So going back to when you, when you first started the agency, was it always one of your plans to grow it and then eventually sell it? Or was this, cause I know you've got kids and you got kids in the business. Yep. I mean, was this uh were you thinking, well, this is a, a, a successor type situation? You know, my kids didn't want it. And you know, thank goodness that they didn't take it because they weren't ready for it. They're, you know, my son does digital marketing and my daughter did business development. And while I think that they could have done the business, I don't think they could have done it on their own. And so, you know, I think it was very wise of them to see that they couldn't do that. So once that conversation, you know, had, had sailed, um, you know, then it was just like, well, I really, I didn't have an exit strategy. You know, if we wouldn't have lost those clients those first six months, you know, all in a rapid succession, I, I probably wouldn't even have went out and got partners. But then if I, if I think about it, I didn't have an exit strategy. It, you know, this exit strategy actually, it, it's sort of like a snowball rolling down a hill turned into this giant snowball at the end. Right. Um, it just was started by the series of misfortune and events and then became a, you know, at the end it was really good. So unfortunately I'd like to say that I had a strategy to divest the business, but I really didn't. So as you 
we're thinking about the the business. I mean, most business owners are are heads down and doing the business, and they only think about you know the the trials and tribulations. Like I said, are you know typically around the fifteenth and thirtieth when payrolls do. But the problem, um, I think, is that life events, like in your case, you had lost the six clients, and all of a sudden, risk it was staring you at in in the face. And I think business other business owners, you know, whether it be health or age or any variety of of uh, issues that face you know the the ownership mortality. Um, you know, I think it's a it's a different if it's it's a different animal. And so I guess that's my question is what made your risk tolerance change? Well, I had I had the opportunity through you know, when when you have a, a successful agency like I think that we did, you know, we were doing um over a million dollars in retainer and project work, not counting media buys, right? So not an inflated number, it's like one point two, 1.5, somewhere in there. But when you're, when you're doing well, that attracts other people to start thinking about it. And so I actually had, before I sold my, my 10% off to my, my employees, I actually had some people contact me, sign NDAs and went down the journey in three separate occasions with, uh, one was another agency and then two were actually printing companies. And what I found going through those things all at the sort of, you know, sort of at the same time after I sold the 10% and then, you know, the timeline is, you know, not all three happened at one time, but over the next two years, talking to people about selling and, and being courted, if you would, what I found is the agency that wanted to buy me, wanted to buy me for and have my book of business and then make me an employee. And you know me, that's not going to work. For most business owners, it's not going to work. Exactly. And then the the printing companies that wanted to buy me knew nothing about marketing. And I would actually, it would be like, it'd be like trying to integrate a square peg in a round hole. Yeah. Um, and it would, it, 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 after I saw all the details and went through, I'm like, this would be a freaking nightmare. And so I think having that background along with the employees who were able to purchase the business and then the want to even buy more, it, this, it, it really was a culmination of a lot of things that just came together perfectly. So, well, what precipitated me calling you out of your uh, quasi retirement was that I read an article that you had posted on LinkedIn saying, be still. And, and the tone of, you know, I've, I've seen you, I've seen your work and I've, I've seen how you write. And the tone of that article was just, it was somber to be honest with you. It was just like, wow, maybe this wasn't what, what you thought it was going to be. So can, can you talk a little bit about what you were feeling when you wrote that? Sure. Um, and anybody who wants to see it, they can go to LinkedIn and type in Todd Muffley and, and find it. But yeah, I'll have a, the, I'll have a link to the show in the show notes. Okay. The reason I wrote that article, it was, uh, I was reflecting back on, um, it was just over two years that I had sold the business. And I think like, I didn't have, I didn't have like a mentor in business. 
I was sort of just doing it myself. Um, you know, I had an attorney and I had an accountant, but I never had anybody to sit down and look me in the eye and say, you're really messing that up, buddy. You know, besides my wife. Um, but on, on this one, you know, after you sell your business, it's like one of those things where you're, you're, you're climbing that mountain and all of a sudden you get to the top of the mountain and you're like, Oh my God, I made it to the top. The business is sold. It's just like, well, nobody tells you that, you know, the journey going down the mountain is just a strenuous meaning okay, you sold your baby, you know, something that you worked and lived and, and just did put everything into. And that reflecting back on it, it was, it's just, you know, difficult to, um, difficult to process that, but really, you know, not trying not to run into something else, Hmm. you know, trying to, it's almost like mourning to tell you the truth. It's almost like, you know, you, because, you know, my employees that, that I had when I sold the business, they're not all there anymore. You know, yeah. they're, a lot of them are gone. Um, yeah, it, it was just, it was, it was a, a reflective period that I just wanted to note that, you know, sometimes you, you got to not only understand that, you know, you're selling something as a consequence to it, but also that you shouldn't run in and do something else right away. You know, it's, it's like when they, when they say when you get a divorce that you, you know, you shouldn't make any financial decisions for, you know, a year after your divorce or something like that. Well, that's the same thing I think with selling your business, you sell your business and you should really, somebody should advise you to go on vacation to, to chill out, to really reflect on what your next step is. And I didn't have that next step. I just jumped into the, I just jumped into more things, which I wish I wouldn't have done. Well, you know, the funny thing is that when we, so roughly the statistic is, is 75% of the people re, that sell their business regret selling it. And, mm. and for the, for all the same reasons that you've cited, but you know, being in, in this position and knowing you, I mean, when I would talk to you, I mean, you were, you were hell bent to go, you, you were going on your boat. It's, it seemed all the ducks were in a row. And, and so that's what took me aback with, with that article. I was like, oh my gosh, what did, what did I miss when we well, were talking? Ed, Ed life changed. That's the problem, yeah. right? So <laughs> I was that, you know, I got a beautiful, I got a beautiful 37 foot power catamaran. I have, uh, I have my life set. And then we moved to North Carolina and, you know, some personal things came up that changed that dynamic that I had envisioned in my mind. And so, you know, life threw me a curveball. Um, but yeah, you're right. I did have it laid out what I wanted to do, but yeah. you know, that doesn't always happen. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Well, a lot of business owners had owned the real estate and you did too. And, and, and it seemed like the market was just crazy for, for where you guys were, were located. And, and I figured that was, that was your retirement, that that piece of real estate was going to, to carry you through the rest of your life. And then all of a sudden I see a for sale sign. Then all of a sudden I see someone else, uh, someone else owning it. So what yep. happened? Or is that back so to, back to the life every, issue? <laughs> no, actually this is a, a good business one. So just everything that you said, right? So a lot of people have the dreams of, retaining the land or the property and then lease back. Um, and they're like, uh, you know, saying, well, you, you know, the, the new business will pay you. And I actually had a five-year lease 
you know, we, we, when we sold the business, we, uh, they signed a five-year lease to lease the property back to me, which one, I can't understand why they didn't want to buy the property as part of the, as part of the sale of the company, but they didn't. And so we did some adjustments in the sales totals to actually, so I could own it. I actually had a five-year lease. I was making $1,500 a month off of the lease. The problem is I lived in North Carolina. So now I'm a, a landlord away from the property. And while it was financially good, you know, things happen. Fences need repaired. Air conditioners need taken care of. And, you know, I, that started to weigh down on me. But what weighed what on the other side of the scale, the real estate market just exploded and there was nothing, nothing that people could buy. And so I reached out to a uh, commercial real estate broker that I knew. And I said, listen, I want to list the property. I think we listed it for like, no, nah, I can't even remember. It was 600,000 or some, some obscene number. And we had a bidding war and we got way more than we thought we would for it. And it was one of those things that's like, you know, it's the perfect storm. Yeah. The, the real, the money that we got for it was so ludicrous. You'd have to own the property for 10 years with no problems to even be close to making that back. I get it. And so my accountant was like, Todd, you got to sell this. It's just, it's just financially the right thing to do, especially since you're not even in the city anymore. Yeah. So where did you take the money and what did you park it into? Um, since you got a, a lump sum, what, what did you end up doing with well, that? Well, you know, the government loves to take their shoes, so I couldn't write that check. My wife had to write that one, actually. <laughs> you- um, but we, uh, I just, I literally took that money and, and put it on my, on my mortgage here in North Carolina. Uh, I got it. That way I wouldn't spend it. <laughs> Fair enough. So, you know, that's, it probably wasn't the smartest thing to do, but it felt really good when I did it. Oh no. I, I mean, it, I think that's a real good thing to have done. So, so a lot of business owners, you know, are just stubborn and, and you're, you were one of them, but those, that, yep. those that have built companies from the ground up, I mean, what, I guess, what are the, the lessons that you learned that you wish you would have known before and, and after the process? I mean, I know that from our, the question prior, you know, you have to retire or you have to be going to something and you shouldn't just, right. you need to grieve what you've lost. So yeah. aside from that, what, what other lessons did you learn? You know what? It's like I said, I had a lawyer, which I thought was good. And I had an accountant, which I thought was good. And they both were good. They helped really do that transaction. But I wish I would have had somebody that, would have maybe been not a yes man to me when I was going through things to have that, you know, reality check to say, what do you, why are you you know doing this? Or why are you thinking about this? Um, you know, having, having somebody, and even if you have to pay somebody to be that person, that's an independent party, somebody to whisper in your ear, I, I think would have been valuable. And I didn't have that. And luckily you know, luckily it, it, it turned out good for me, but I can see that would have been good to have during the process. And you don't think about that during the process because you got on a lawyer, you know, you're paying $250 an hour to you got your accountant, you're paying $200 an hour to you're like, well, why the hell do I need somebody else at this meeting? I'm paying money to. And it's because that little bit that you pay them could, 
make you a lot more in the terms of the agreement um, than you really, than you can think about because that's what they do for a living. So who is that person? I mean, what does that person look like? Man, you know, it could be another attorney. It could be somebody like you. It could be, um, you know, a a mentor or somebody in business. I just, you know, I didn't have that. I was by myself. Yeah. But I, I could see that it would have been good to have somebody because, you know, when you have a lawyer, um, when you sell a business, the lawyer is either your fiduciary, the business's fiduciary, or the, the people across the table from you. And so you got to really make sure you know who your lawyer represents. Um, same thing with your accountant. So having somebody on your team that you know is on your team and making decisions with your best interest with you, I think is valuable. I mean, I have my wife, but having somebody with more experience through the process could have been better. Yeah. Well, you know, this, this second half of, of my career is kind of, you know, rolling into is, is trying to get further ahead in the sale process in the sale prep world to, you know, so you know what you're getting into, regardless of whether or not you engage a investment banker or a business broker or whomever, but you got to understand what it is that you have and what's being sold and how somebody's going to look at it. And I don't, and, and boy, I'll tell you so many business owners just enter into the deep end of the pool and they just don't know what they don't know. And so it sounds to me that, uh, and I feel horrible that the, you know, that I didn't know that you were going through this struggle. You know, I knew that we had, uh, we had a couple lunches that we, you know, talked through some of these things, but I didn't realize to, to the extent that, you know, and like you said, hindsight's twenty twenty. But uh, exactly. had, had I known, you know, I would have, I, I would have, I would have inserted myself a, a little bit uh, more deliberately. Um, did you ever think about the value of the company, or did you think more of of how much you were taking from the company? Not, and that sounds bad. Yeah. Well, the last the last two years, basically. I knew, I knew after I sold the first bit that I really had to work on, you know, getting a strong EBITDA. And so I, I really took less out of the company and kept more in it. Now I had to pay more taxes, but it's that small business dilemma, right? You want to try to legitimately hide as much as you can from the IRS, but you don't want to do that for the next, you know, when you're leading up to a sale, because then, you know, unless, unless somebody can inst- you know, pull out the value of what that is. And I'm sure people can, I just wanted to have it in there. So the, the P and L looked really strong. So yeah, I, I did think about that the last, you know, 18 months in business. Okay. So yeah, I mean, that, that's the good news is that you, that you did. I mean, so many business owners don't, don't recognize how the position of the financial statements plays a direct correlation to, to value. And, yeah. you know, the, the more you show or better yet, I, I shouldn't say the more you show, the more that you can demonstrate to a buyer, the greater the chances you're going to get a premium. Yeah, most definitely. And like I said, a lot of times people can pull out, you know, owner, business owner value, but it's a lot easier if it's just sitting in cash in the bank. Sure. So did you ever regret that you were, that you were the business? I mean, it, 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 was it like the, uh, was it the frog in, in uh, boiling water kind of thing? You didn't re- Cause I mean, you, you had a, you had a pretty strong infrastructure if I remember right. So, but, but to hear you say, you know, I was, I was the business. Did you know you were the business or 
I mean, were you? Oh yeah. Were you trying to figure out how do I get out of the middle of this and empower others, or did you like? It was more like, look, there, there's substantial risk. I need to stay in. I need to stay where I'm at to provide air cover for for my investment. Uh, well, I definitely knew I was the business. I don't think other people knew uh, or thought that. And so there again, that's how I think I could sell the company and do yeah. and do well selling it because other people think that they can do something better than you're doing it. Um, but my wife, you know, she was always in my ear saying, you know, and not and not in a bad way. But she was just saying that you you know didn't think that um, it would be as successful without me there. I think is a nice way of putting it. Yeah, I got it. What's your next venture? What are you up to? Well, you know, the funny thing is when I sold the business, I actually didn't sell the stock of the business. Okay. So it was an asset. I actually, I I sold, I just sold the assets of the business. And so I kept the corporation plan B marketing and I kept the, um, the veteran owned clients that I had because of course they couldn't service those because they, they don't have the veteran credentials to do that. So currently I, um, I have contracts with the state of Indiana and multiple, um, various ways and I have retained those. And so I'm actually still doing marketing. I just do it through independent contractors. Um, so I don't have, I don't have any quote unquote, you know, employee liability or overhead. Um, sure. but I have five, five clients and actually got a new client the other day. Um, just word of mouth referral. And so I'm, I'm sort of a, I call myself a boutique agency. I get to deal with who I want to deal with. Yeah, I, I saw those invite only. Invite only. <laughs> <laughs> well, what? Uh, so, 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 are you taking clients, or are you are you just being selective on on who you're working with, and and if so, what um, what does that person look like, and how do they get in contact with you? Well, I'm definitely taking clients that are the right situation. So, right now, with my state clients, those are people who need a veteran on the RFP to actually get points in the bidding process. And so that's a no brainer. And, um, you know, I, I accept phone calls for those all the time on the other side, it's really got to be, um, you know, it just has to be a good fit with strategy. Uh, I do a more, maybe more con- consulting than execution. Um, and then I did start a venture with a couple of old employees from fat Adam uh, that's called unboxed marketing. It's unboxed without an E and it's a, a sales enablement company. And it's something I really have a passion about. Not going to be anything big. Um, you know, at least that's not why I'm doing it. I'm doing it because I, I just really, really love helping salespeople close more sales faster using gifting. And that's what unbox does. So um, using gifting, what does that mean? So our motto is no one buys less because you care more. And statistically it's proven that if you can stand out in the sales process oh, by I, sending creative gifts I got it. to your prospect that, um, you know, not only will your brand stand out, but showing that you care. And we're not talking about sending swag with your hat on. This is actually strategic gifting at crucial times during the sales process. Yep. I know exactly. I I mean, we were, we were a beneficiary of that. I, 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 and we're, yeah. And it was always something people talked about. And so I, I, I totally, I totally know, but 
and I, and I'm certain everybody's asking the the same thing because I'm 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 wondering about it too. What where's your non compete or is this not a non compete type scenario or uh, I did I had to get well, I didn't sign a non compete. I only signed a non disclosure that I wouldn't uh, or excuse me a non solicit so uh, that I wouldn't solicit past clients got it um, or past employees without their written permission. So for 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 this I did have to go get their permission to work with the to work with these employees. But, um, like I said, that's, you know, yeah, I get it. It's something I had to go through that process to do. Sure. So but we don't, but we don't call on any of the businesses that, you know, we, that we dealt with just out of respect. And of course my non solicitation clause, which is up in April. <laughs> I see. <laughs> so, uh, I want to be sensitive to your time. So, uh, if you had one piece of advice to give our listeners that would have the most immediate or the most impact on their business, what would it be? Ooh, that's a big one. I'm going to go with sit down and have a thought process around what your future of the business is. And so what I'm saying is, does not mean, Hey, let's have a, let's have a strategic process to sell our business. Maybe you never want to sell it. Right. But I think stepping back at regular intervals every year, every two years, and just say, where are we at? What's our position? Where's our future? And just maybe having like five questions that you ask yourself every year, because if something changes and you do decide to sell, there are things that you need to start thinking about, not the day you sign, but you know, years before you start to do it. And so I think, you know, just asking yourself those questions uh, regularly, I think would be a good idea. Got it. No, that's a, that's a great idea. Um, so what's the best way we can connect with you? Uh, people can go to my website. It's think hyphen B.com. That's T H I N K dash B as in boy.com. Or you can find me on LinkedIn. Just type in top of and I pop up all over the place. Got it. Well, I'll, I'll make sure to have that, uh, that tied up in the, uh, in the show notes. So Todd, boy, I, I, I enjoyed our time together and I'm so grateful uh, for, for you being so, so generous and, and candid. And I, I want to emphasize candid with, uh, with, with your advice and the experiences you've had. So thank you so much for being with me today. Well, it was great talking to you. Thanks for thinking of me. And if anybody, uh, if any of your listeners do have any questions as it comes to selling your business, if I can help out. I'll take those as well. Awesome. All right, old buddy. Well, Good, good being with you, and uh, I, I hope uh, I hope your quasi uh, retirement and uh, and new business My pro pickleball career, <laughs> right? Your pro pickleball career goes well. Awesome, buddy. All right, thanks, Ben. Thanks, man. I look forward to hearing that soon, and I'll catch up with you. All right, buddy. Thank you. Thank you for joining the Defenders of Business Value podcast. If you're preparing your business for sale, visit LegacyTransitionAdvisors.com or text EXIT to 35893 to begin your journey to maximum saleable value. If you want more episodes packed with strategies to transfer maximum value in your business, visit DefendersOfBusinessValue.com. Better yet, subscribe now so you don't miss the future episodes. This program is copyright Legacy Transition Advisors, LLC. All rights reserved.